0: Welcome back, guys, to Athletistry Ballet Evolution. I'm Shane Worthner. I'm your host, and uh, today I have a very special guest, Jessica Spinner, uh, is going to be here from uh, the Whole Dancer. She is an incredible uh, whole coach for dancers, health coach, holistic. expert who's going to be here telling her story, because I think one of the biggest things that I have found that will help to impact as many people as possible is to have people tell their story, how that uh, helped them to develop to where they are, and then how we can help you guys to uh, become excellent in your own way. So uh, Jess, I'm going to hand it over to you. If you have a story that you could tell that um, you find really impacted your life, um, and then we'll go from there.
1: Sure. So, I have a lot of stories, but I'm going to focus on one that actually happened after I stopped dancing and was beginning to heal from my dance experience. I uh, I stopped very abruptly. I I had been pursuing dance, uh, looking for my next professional job, and commuting from Long Island where I'm from originally into New York city and taking class at steps every day and going to open auditions and trying to get freelance work and all of that while simultaneously working back from an injury and just struggling in pretty much all areas of that pursuit. And then I applied for this retail job and for whatever reason, when I got the job, I just was like, okay, I'm not, I'm not dancing anymore. There at the time really didn't feel like there was much thought in that process, but getting this job and stopping that pursuit of dance led me to pursuing uh, yoga and other forms of movement that did not involve a mirror and for me that transformed my relationship to myself it later transformed my relationship to dance um and it really did lead me to where i am now in the work that i do with dancers now
0: yeah that's a that's a really interesting um point actually and now when let me let me bring it around maybe to something that I that I experience in in dance. It becomes very um, obviously self critical, right? Because we're we're staring at ourselves all the time. Um, we're basically in in the studio, you know, half naked, you know, in tights and, and very form fitting clothing. Uh, we're being judged not only by ourselves but by our peers and by someone at the front of the room who is also looking at us and saying, "Oh, that's not good enough. Do it do it more like this," right? And Uh, I remember when my wife retired from dance and she um, became a uh, front of house staff at the Queensland Performing Arts Center here. And she had this massive realization around ballet not being everything. It not being the, the be all and end all of life that there are actually people outside of the dance world who don't think about dance at all, that there's not, you know, it's not, doesn't even come up for them in their daily life. And they're not thinking about how they look in their clothes. You know, are they going to have an aesthetic line that day? And is, are their knees going to be stretched? And are they going to be turned out? And, you know, does, does their body look right or whatever? And they're just going through their day and trying to make as, as much of an impact as they can in their own, in their own personal way. Uh, and so that... You know, for for you, was that kind of was that part of it? Like, did you find that moving away from that that um, hypercritical space of just being in front of the mirror just kind of removed all of that uh, that stress from from that element?
1: Yeah, when I was pursuing dance, uh, I did some yoga, but I was doing Bikram yoga, which was popular at the time, and was in front of a mirror as well, and was like pretty much the most. (laughs) Um, self-abusive form of yoga one could find like the teachers were harsh. They would say nasty things to students and like make comments about food and bodies. And I was like, Oh, like, "Mm, this is normal to me. Um, And the yoga I did after had no mirrors. And I was encountering teachers who were saying things like, you know, just feel the strength in this pose, like feel you know, what your body is capable of today without judgment, like all really valuable things that I think I would have benefited so much from hearing or like at least being open to. I don't know if I was even open to it when I was pursuing dance.
0: Yeah, Yeah, it is. It is interesting how that happens. We become very stuck into, uh, again, like this hypercritical space and and just just uh, breaking ourselves down on a day to day basis when sometimes. And I think I experienced it in retiring from dance. That when I would go in and just take a class on my own, how nice it felt to just indulge in a plie and, and a tendu, and no stress around—you know, am I going to be accepted today for the work that I put forward? Is this going to be good enough for the people at the front of the room who are watching me dance? Um, obviously, there is there is a performance element to dance, right? Like if you were if you were pursuing it at a professional level, there is going to be that element because you have to you know be able to put a high level of performance onto the stage but at the same time if we're not enjoying it if we're not finding our own exploration of movement then realistically what's the point because it's not art anymore you know there's there's no art to it and it, then it's just you know it's just a sport we're just looking at it okay I'm just going to attack this movement and however many turns I can do however high I can get my leg like you know it's a it's a completely um, non-artistic process so what was what was your outcome from that what did Where did you go you know from there did you did you enter back into dance in any capacity or was that kind of the end of it what What did you do from there?
1: I was out of the dance world completely for well, i want to say like three about two and a half or three years yep. and uh you know I was kind of just figuring out well what who am I without this very um self-defining thing that we all like title ourselves dan- who am i if i'm not this dancer and uh like what do i want to do next and um it's funny you said like going back into the studio cuz at at one point a few you know a couple of years removed i did go back And I went back to a teacher who I had been working with when I was pursuing dance at a professional level. And in the first class, he was like, this is great. We'll get you back in shape. You're going to be great. And I was like, that is exactly what I'm not looking for right now. So I like started taking classes from the other open class teacher. And she was just like, oh, I love having you. You're so beautiful. And I was like, thank you. That's exactly what I'm looking for right now. Um, But, you know, it was, I was just in like a process of self uh rediscovery i guess and and like you know finding who i was in my space outside of dance and aside from taking some open classes i was really like i'm done with that world yeah. like didn't think i would or could go back in any capacity
0: yeah i think i think look I, I think a lot of dancers uh because we start so young right like especially those who who generally end up pursuing a professional career I've usually started probably before they even remember you know like i I think i i am told i started dancing at two three years old like i don't remember going to those classes but apparently i was in there and then you know there were uh, every student that i work with you know you ask them how long you've been dancing they're 14 i've been dancing for 12 years you know you've been dancing you've been dancing since you were in diapers and um it it does become this this again like you said this self-defining um part of our lives, is like, well, I, you know, I am a dancer, there's, there's nothing else. Uh, and oftentimes that becomes very limiting in what we pursue as well. Like, you know, uh, as, as a, as a kind of aside, I remember I did some musical theater and musical theater was kind of my first love as a kid. Uh, and I was in this musical theater course where they were teaching us how to juggle. And I remember failing failing miserably at it if six years old and that looking back now they didn't teach us how to do it properly and it put this um limiting belief in my head at the time that I couldn't juggle and mm-hmm. I had that limit for for years even to the point where I remember a ballet coming in Vienna um Le Concours where one of the characters had to juggle and I was watching this guy learn how to juggle and just thinking to myself god I could never do that part because I just it's not for me like i just can't juggle um, and once i became a coach i did a course where part of the process of being in the course was you had to learn how to juggle and this was during COVID, so i had lots of time on my hands and i was like okay well i'll, I'll figure it out and i remember you know you fail massively every time you pick up the ball you throw it and you drop them and you throw and you drop them you throw and you drop them and uh over the course of about six weeks i've figured it out and i can juggle now it's not it's not something i even think about but what the reason the reason i'm telling this story is because what i think happens with dancers is we become very stuck in on dancing is my identity dancing is what i can do uh, and we often don't go out beyond that so we get stuck into that mentality of i can be a really good high performer in the dance studio Uh, and I can do all of the things that my teacher asked me to do, and that means that I'm successful. But it also limits our growth as humans because we're not expanding our skill sets. We're not learning other things. We're not expanding beyond that. And then the disaster hits of an injury or a contract not being renewed or you you don't uh, get put in the role that you wanted or suddenly now the director's having that conversation of look it's probably that time where you should start to consider what you're going to do after and you know you're 36 37 potentially or even maybe in your late 20s uh for those who who you know don't have longer careers and now you're like well what what do you mean what how do i do something else this is my life what and and it's it's soul shattering for a lot of dancers um And you do have to go through that process of rediscovering yourself and learning something else, which when you already perform something at a very high level is extremely difficult. So did you have an experience like that where you, you, in changing pathways and learning something new, did that, was that a a challenge for you? Did you embrace it and, and really get into that?
1: I... In, in my sort of meandering path out of dance, I ended up nannying for two boys. And um, I, within a few months, I was like, I can't do this for too long <laughs> because it was a lot. <laughs> and um, I have more understanding for that experience now that I am a mother myself. But um, at the time, I was like, I can't do this. like It's too much. <laughs> um So I had like a pretty big fire to, to find like what it really was that I wanted to do next. And while I was dancing, I had this very big interest in health and nutrition and wellness. It was not coming from a real self-serving place at that time. It was really coming from a place of like, I need more information on diets and losing weight and that kind of thing. Unfortunately, unfortunately, But then when I was out of dance, I was like, okay, like, this is a path I feel like I could take. And it would, it's of great interest to me. And I like, it all speaks to me. And and I connect with all of that uh, idea of creating a life that is much more, you know, holistic and looking at yourself as a whole person and finding true balance. Um, So then I found, you know, like, the course that resonated with me most to get started. And from there, I've just kind of, you know, I guess I'm a lifelong learner. I have just continued to be looking for more resources and information and, you know, ways to be better at what I do. So I think that that's like certainly dancer influence. Like you you can always be better. You can always, you know, have those kind of things. So yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think, I think that's a great way to look at it too. And I think that's, that's part of what attracts me to what you do, you know, with, with the whole is the, the balance element, not, not becoming um, wholeheartedly obsessed with ballet to the point that it consumes you, right? Like you have to, you have to have other things that interest you. And, and even as an artist, like if you're wanting to be an artist that has a larger impact, just having one understanding of, of, life is going to limit your ability to express your art to express what's going on in your mind to express your emotions you have to have a wide range of experiences in order to be able to portray that to an audience so putting yourself into a position where you know even even if it's just as simple as finding you know books that are interesting to read or or movies that you love to watch you have to you have to find time in your life to be able to do those things otherwise you know, you're you're so you're so obsessed with the perfect hand you that you know you're not you're not actually developing anything else. And you know, I'll say this to my students quite often: where if if you can do a hundred pirouettes and you can lift your leg up around your ears, no ballet critic is going to come out of a performance and say, "God, that was the most pirouettes I've ever seen." And did you see how high her extension was? Like the critique is always. This person touched my soul it was the most credible you know understanding of the character of giselle or sleeping beauty or you know whatever it is you're performing and they were able to cross that barrier of it being just a, a performance to actually like i was living that story right and i i think that can only really be done by people who have um the possibility to go beyond it just being a, uh, you know an art and, and, and finding other things outside of dance that expand their soul.
1: Having a life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. When you have those things, you have so much more to bring and to give. And like a lot of times you also have so much more like genuine energy because you have fed yourself on a soul level as well. Yeah. you know
0: yeah definitely and and it even makes you it even makes you a more interesting person to communicate with right like if you think about artists as a whole like we are wanting to communicate not what you know whether it's whether it's through movement or through singing or through music or through you know um, recitation of poetry or, or or acting as artists we are wanting to communicate something and when you're you know, uh, even at an after party from, a, from an opening night and you're speaking with the donors, they're wanting to be able to speak with someone who is going to have a, 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 an ability to express things and to communicate that. Uh, and if all you can say is, well, I, I did ballet class today and then I did rehearsal and then I went home and slept um, instead of, oh, I was reading this fantastic novel by this author that I really love and they were talking about this. Now you're an interesting human and you you know, you know pop out from, from that experience that you're not just a, a pretty face on the stage, you actually have some impact. Uh, and that's, that's something I often will talk about as well. It's not just, you're not just your performance. You, you have to be more than that because that's what makes you memorable. If someone comes out of the performance and has a discussion with you about something deeper, when they come back to the ballet the next time, they're going to want to see you. There's going to be that desire for them to come back and, and be a part of your life because they have a deep connection with you as well. You know? Yeah. I love so, that. Beautiful. Thank you. Um, <laughs> tell me, tell me a little bit about more, more about like what you do. So what, what's your, what's your process now? What, what how can you, how do you help dancers?
1: Yeah. So over time uh, you know, I've kind of honed in on the coaching approach that I find to be most effective. And I mean, one thing is the time that I spend with the dancers whom I work with. Where in the beginning, you know, I would have shorter coaching options and like a couple sessions here and there. And people were seeing results and, and experiencing some shifts and certainly reprioritizing aspects of their lives. But at this point, the starting period, time period that I work with someone is six months and we meet every week for six months. Um, and I find that, you know, like. Now dancers go through a coaching program and it's like I like the the after is that they say things like I kind of think I might have quit dancing altogether had we not done this work or like I just feel so much happier in my life and my dance pursuits having spent the time reprioritizing things, uh, having spent the time figuring out my relationship to food, my relationship to body uh my even just like my self care and sleep and um these very you know these things that i f- i wish were more basic and emphasized by uh even like dance training environments you know i mean especially the the pre pro programs that have kids in residency from the time they're 14 15 it's like we need to be making sure you're teaching young dancers, especially how to care for themselves. Um, And I'll say too, you know, it's not just young dancers whom I work with. It's a lot of times like dancers in those early years of their career where the stress kind of just skyrockets and they're in that phase of like, I must prove myself. Now I really must prove myself. You know, I have to show that I am worthy of keeping this job or worthy of getting to the next stage. And so it's like helping dancers at all of these phases of career and training to truly do the things that are going to help them excel in the studio. Because I know, you know, as a teacher, it's like people can show up and work hard. But if everything else feels like it's a mess or is just out of whack or they're sleeping four or five hours a night, like it's just not going to get to where it needs to be. And like you're not going to feel confident in what you're doing.
0: And I, I think I think that is something that um, does concern me with a lot of the programs, uh, especially here in Australia. I don't know really what it's like in the states at the moment, but uh, here in Australia, a lot of the what what they call full time programs are in schools that are private schools. So it's not, they're not necessarily attached to a company. They're, you know, they're smaller, smaller dance schools that have um, dancers who are basically doing distance education. So their, their education is kind of up to them. Um, they're not in a classroom environment. They're not even necessarily working with a tutor. It's, you know, they're on a screen watching videos and then submitting reports. And, the studios look at it like, well, if we're going to have a full-time program, then that means it has to be full-time. So a lot of these kids are there from eight forty-five in the morning until eight or eight o'clock at night, six days a week, um, and that leaves Sunday for homework, and then they're back in again on Monday. And you know, going back to what we were talking about with balance and being able to explore other areas of your life and skills, there's no time for that. There's not even really time to practice outside of a class. Like, I think a lot of the growth that I experienced as a dancer didn't come from the classroom experience. It it came from me going back in at another time, you know, after class was over and just kind of working on tondus or working on something that I had been practicing in the class, but wasn't working. And then going back and revisiting the corrections or revisiting what I did, you know, outside of having that person judging me at the front of the room. Right? like taking it for my own practice and so you know I'll, I'll ask students are you you know are you watching videos are you reading books are you doing stuff outside to to help to develop your craft and a lot of the, the the times the answer is well i just don't have time because i'm here 12 hours a day and then i go home and i crash and then i get back up and mm-hmm. i do the same thing and then sundays it's like cram 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 let me get my homework in and then back in on monday and so I, you know, for me, I feel kind of like the onus is on the studios to schedule better, to create better, um, more holistic environments where, look, we don't need to be doing 12 hours of dance a day. We can have a good chunk of time that is dedicated to other, other activities. You know, three, four hours a day of dance is enough, especially when you're doing it at a very, very high level and it's intense enough. You don't need to be doing more than that. And, and especially for younger dancers, you know, I was talking with, uh, Jennifer Milner and she basically said the, the status now, the, the, the best, um, practice is that we should be doing the same number of hours per week as age of student, right? So right. if you're, if you're 14 years old, you shouldn't be doing more than 14 hours of dance a week. You know, you don't need to be doing 60 hours in the studio. It's not necessary. It's actually going to be harmful yeah so I think a lot of that balance, and I'm sure you would you would be hearing this with your with your clients as well. It's like, well, where do I fit it in? How do I fit in that time so do you have a uh i don't know some key things that you would suggest to young dancers like how do you how do we find that balance? How do we make those those yeah. uh, those things come together yeah.
1: i mean the situation in the states with that kind of training is is quite similar in a lot of cases it is that like eight to eight and they have two hours in the afternoon or something where they can have lunch and and that's about it. Um, but I think there are enough training programs in the States that there are those that are not going to that extreme. And the tricky part is that I do often work with dancers who are already in a program like that. And I'll say to them, like, I think we could find a better place for you to be training. It's just not always an option, right? Especially like some midpoint in their their year of training um so it is looking for the ways that they can especially as students where like they're the paying customers right where they can push back and say like oh these extra classes i'm not able to attend on this day you know i I really do recommend that they advocate for themselves and be really honest with you know if i'm going to be dancing this much and trying to also do homework, then I can only sleep six hours. Well, we are not actually doing what's best for the end goal, you know? So it is sometimes I think big decisions and like, you know, making hard choices. Dancers get very attached to their training environments. I think, you know, at varying points in, in career and training where the sometimes it's very young that they just get attached and they don't want to leave, because of the friends and you know all the I get it all the things, um, but sometimes it's later or it's because this training program has such a high uh, level of um, status and um, you know respect in the dance world. Well, just because we we all know that just because a place has high level of status and respect does not mean that they are the places that are doing what is best for especially their young dancers or their students. Uh, so sometimes it's a matter of that and being like, okay, like I get it, I get it, I I know, uh, but there is somewhere else that we can go, or there are these ways that we can create some space for you. And then it's like maximizing your time, you know, like when if you're going to be still in that program, okay, what can we do, or like what help can we ask for, uh, what. Uh, investments can we make in things that are going to help make our lives easier, um, or just like enhance them a bit, and, and looking for all those opportunities because a lot of times when we're in it, we don't see it. And as an outsider, I often will talk to someone once and be like, "Okay, I can see like twenty ways we can improve this situation," you know.
0: I, th- I think I think that's really important. I think you know, as, and especially um also finding priorities right like we have to we have to time is often unless you're really scheduled into a class and you're scheduled 12 hours a day time is not necessarily the problem sometimes it's just the priority right it's like i need to prioritize prioritize my sleep i need to prioritize getting my work done i need to prioritize making sure that i'm eating healthily throughout the day and not starving myself um you know those those things are all excessively important and if we if we don't put the priority where it needs to be then there will be there will be the tax that will come eventually right like you're you're eventually going Mm -hmm. to pay for for not prioritizing those things and that's that's then where we either end up injured or having to take time off for for mental health or or struggling in, in some capacity like that so yeah i think i think it's really important to be able to sit down especially with someone like you or, or, or me and have that discussion of look these are the things that i need to prioritize right now help me help me advocate and I, i'm a big um a big proponent of that i think we have to help dancers especially the younger ones because it is scary you know it's scary to go to a director or a teacher and be like look i'm struggling right now i need help with this right i remember um well, you you know what Kirov was like, you know what Madame Veningradova was like. She was she was creepy. Um, she, <laughs> she, could, she could take it out on you. And then, like I know, like I'm sure half the stuff that she said in Russian that was translated back to us was much, much meaner than the translation that we received. Um, mm-hmm. But you know that that there the, I remember a time where you know, and even my dad pushed me to do this to go to her and just be like, Hey I, you know, what do I need to do to be better? I'm not feeling like I'm moving forward. And it was probably the most demeaning thirty minutes of my life. You know, I was like, "Oh, you've grown too much, and we thought you were going to be good, and now you're turned in." You, you know, uh, uh, like this whole list of all the things that were wrong with me. Um, and that that definitely had an impact on the way that I interacted then with uh, authority figures going forward. Like I struggled to have that discussion because my expectation was, "Oh, they're just going to rip into me and tell me how terrible I am." Right. So, I think. You know you, you, you can arm dancers with um, the right questions to ask and how to approach that situation so that they don't have a negative uh, a negative experience that then impacts their future interactions with people who are in those positions of power. Um, and then I think you know the other the other thing that you mentioned uh, because there is such a push to get into the prestigious academies right there's a, there's a massive push to be a part of these schools. Uh, and I think something that is very important to understand is that just because you went to a school, just because you graduated from that school, does not mean that you will progress to that company, right? Um, the, The amount of dancers that get hired from the schools that are attached to companies are nowhere near the amount of students that those schools produce. So one of the things that I will always say is find the school that's right for you. Find the school that resonates with who you are find the, the, you know, the teachers that you trust, talk to the students and the parents of people who are attending that school first, like reach out. And most of these schools have, you know, resident advisors and and people that you can just reach out and be like, Hey, are there any other kids that I might be able to talk to or connect with? Um, If you get an offer from a school and you just don't know, reach out to the parents because the parents will tell you the, the truth more often than not. I remember my mom getting on the phone with, uh, Roy Hohenstein's mother for hours and hours and hours and just discussing like what's it like to live there at Kirov is it worthwhile to send him to board should we do it now or should we do it in four years we're a little bit older um, and I, I think that made a massive impact in the fact that my parents ended up moving and then I wasn't alone in DC they were there they were they were you know there to support me take me home feed me make sure I was getting my homework done um, and I think as a result of that I ended up having a much more positive Experience than maybe the kids who were boarding at school and struggling and not having that same level of support. So I think it is important to do the research. Don't just go to to a school because it's got the name and then yeah, Mm -hmm. fall apart later on.
1: I love that you said that because I do think. I mean, just the other day, a mother said to me, "Like, what do people do if they don't have someone to ask these questions to? Like, like." She was asking me about, you know, various companies and I was giving her insight based on what I know. And then, you know, what clients who are currently there have told me or clients who were there a year, you know, that kind of thing. And you have to look, you have to, I mean, it's easier to get it now, the information and the insight, right? Cause like the internet helps obviously, um, and social media. And I'll even tell dancers, like if they get an offer, a job offer from a company, like reach out to a few dancers who are currently there and be like, yo, can you tell me a little bit about what the actual vibe is like? And like different dancers or like dancers who have been there again, like recently, or if you have any friends of, you know, like you have to seek out that information because it's not worth it to go in blind and then find out, you know, this environment feels awful for me it's incredibly stressful. The boarding thing, right? Like if it's a teenager boarding and they're stressed out by the environment, it's a recipe for all kinds of, you know, eating issues and mental health challenges and all of that. So yeah, definitely look for those people that might have greater insight and, and like crowdsource and get like, you know, different perspectives as well. Cause you'll talk to some parents and they'll be like, oh yeah, it's great. My kid loves it. And, you know, I sometimes chime in when I like hear really negative things about a place and parents are like, no, it's amazing. And I'm like, okay, the training is good. We can all agree on that. However, the environment might not be right for your kid. So proceed with caution.
0: And uh, look, everyone's different. Everyone's at a different point of, of of personal development. Kids will hit different maturity levels at different times. You may have a ten year old who's ready to go and 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 is on their way, and like, let me get into that boarding environment. I'm ready. And then you may have a fifteen year old who's like, no, I need more time at home. I need to have that support and that that uh, that backup in case something goes wrong. So you know and i i would imagine that most parents are going to know their kids well enough to be able to help them with that decision but definitely reaching out finding finding support and i think it's amazing now that there is that not just from other parents but from coaches that are you know obviously working and speaking with dancers consistently enough to be able to say yes i actually can put you in touch with someone else or i have had this this said to me and you know these are the things that i've been hearing this is what i know about this place um i i wish that you know the schools would start to integrate a bit more with the coaches as well right because i think we we in in a in a kind of strange way often end up being uh, underground in in many uh capacities where the, the students are afraid that if they come to a coach outside that they'll get in trouble from the school and the schools often shut down any type of outside contact with coaches cuz oh we don't want you getting bad information when in reality if the if the coaches and the schools were more collaborative We would have a more insight into being able to help, you know, uh, prospective students go in the right direction. Uh, And then the schools would also be able to have that open discussion with us about, well, this is why this is happening here, or this happened because of this. And then it it becomes a much more um, community-based environment as opposed to like this locked down, No, we don't want to tell anyone what's going on inside the walls, which always seems a little bit suspect it's like if we're locking down this environment why why what are you trying to hide what's what's being what's being pushed away so just to kind of um i guess wrap things up if there were three things that you could say to a young dancer i guess let's let's separate this for the dancer who's training and then also for the dancer who's who's kind of transitioning into um company life what would be what would be like your top three things that they could utilize to help them get the most holistic approach towards that process.
1: Um, young dancer who's training, I'm going to go back to sleep because it's like, I mean, you know, we all know the phones have created a, A much bigger challenge than you and I had as young people, right? Because like, I don't know, I didn't have a TV in my bedroom. So there was like literally nothing to do in there except go to bed at a reasonable hour. (laughs) Like I could read books, but I I would fall asleep doing that. So, um, you know, separate from your phone, give your phone a curfew at like dinner time. Usually I say like put it away and um, sleep and uh, look into a sunrise alarm clock because that's my favorite thing in the whole universe um, for improving your sleep and circadian rhythms and all of that. Um, Try to figure out as a young person who you are outside of dance and the things that light you up outside of dance and make a concerted effort to do more of those things uh, whenever you are able. Uh, And then I think, you know, we get a lot of feedback and criticism as we've talked about. Uh, and as you said earlier, right? Like these things start to become sort of like our mental programming and stories. Yeah. And it's always the negative stuff, right? It's like <laughs> the negative comments and the things that people say that are critical of who we are or how we look or, you know, our facility or whatever. Yeah. Um, so start to make a habit of writing down Not just your corrections that you want to remember, but write down what went well in class or what you enjoyed about it Um, or, you know, like something positive that somebody said to you. We don't want to focus on the external validation, but like. We also forget, I think, when teachers say nice things to us, you know, I sometimes will have clients write things down and be like, I had forgotten about all these things over the last, you know, 10 years of training that people had said to me that were positive because I was just so focused on all the negative stuff. Yeah,
0: 100%.
1: The answers, go ahead. Sorry.
0: No, I I completely agree. I think that's something that I, I find a lot too. Um there's such a focus on, on that negative uh, criticism that the, the internal dialogue, obviously we have a negativity bias anyway, but that internal dialogue becomes much stronger. Uh, and then it almost stops any action because there's such a fear of doing anything wrong. It's like, I don't want to ha- add more negativity, so I'm not even going to take the risk to try this movement. It's like, forget it, I'm, I, I can't even do it. So yes, that is a, that is a huge element
1: uh,
0: yeah. uh, that, will, that will definitely help dancers.
1: And then dancers in transition. I think first it's like you have to acknowledge that in life, change and transition, like moving to a new company, going to start in a trainee program, your first company job, like all of these things just uh, in the gravity that we give them are very stressful. Like our, our stress response is going to be heightened because we, have all of this expectation and, and, you know, overthinking and on all of that. So I feel like the first thing you should do is really acknowledge that like this is, change is hard and transitions are stressful. So this may be a time where anything that I have struggled with historically comes back up and sort of like is, is more in my face or just becomes more pronounced. Once you have acknowledged that, ask yourself, what are the things that will help me in this transition, you know, and very often the thing dancers don't do is actually seek outside support. And, you know, it's like I, the amount of times I hear dancers say like, I wish I had reached out to you a year ago. I'm like, yeah, I know it. We put it off and we tell ourselves I shouldn't need this. Um, I shouldn't need outside coaching. I, you know, It's just me, it's an issue with me. It's like, no, it's not, it's not. You're going through a very challenging time in life period and seeking outside support could make all the difference in the world. Um, And then I think in transition, stay connected to who you are and what it is about you and your authentic self that you love and can connect with in those moments where like, you know, you're being challenged by new people or new relationships or experiences and, you know, come back to yourself and the things that help you feel grounded.
0: 100%, I love that, that's awesome. I think, I think that, um, yeah, heading into a professional space, especially because you're also heading into an adult life, right, especially for, for, for kids who maybe have graduated and now they're heading into a company um so it's not just the dance that is becoming more challenging it's also now you, know, you got to figure out a living uh situation you have to figure out how to pay for for food and bills and um you know everything everything that that you've been kind of sheltered from for most of your life because the school or your parents have been taking care of it now you have to do that on your own and no one is going to care whether you do it or not no one's going to take that extra precaution to make sure you're feeding yourself or that you're getting to bed at night or that you're not you know going and partying every night and going crazy and, and losing your head that stuff has to be done by you and so that last part that you said about you know staying your authentic self keeping keeping that it's incredibly challenging because there's so much new influence that you're dealing with plus add on the stress plus add on all of the things that you're now having to figure out how to do Um, I think if you can, if you can have, especially somebody in your, uh, in your court, that's going to be there to help you and support you through that process, that's going to be able to pull you back and say, Hey, look, this is who you are. Like, these are the things that we need to continue to focus on. Um, I think that's really important. So in that vein, how can people find you? How can people uh, connect with you and work with you? What's the best way to, to get in contact?
1: Yeah. The instagram at the whole dancer i'm pretty consistent across platforms with the name um you can email me jess at the whole dancer.com but you know i think reaching out setting up a time to chat and see if coaching is something that you would benefit from uh is really the, the the best first step
0: yeah awesome well thank you thank you so much, jess, for, for coming on today. I really appreciate it. I think um, our listeners will will really get a lot out of this uh, and I think it it opens up the discussion for dancers who are maybe wondering you know what else can they be doing to to live a more holistic life to not be completely engulfed by uh just their ballet training and and to help them to stay healthy and happy and enjoy the dance element for as long as possible because they're not just becoming so obsessed and negative about it so absolutely thank thank you so much for coming on today
1: thank you for having me shane this was awesome